trust the movement I negate the chaos Uplift the negative I'll show up at the table again and again Welcome to Grassroot Ohio Conversations with everyday people Working on important issues here in Columbus and all around Ohio I'm Carolyn Harding And today I'm talking with Jonathan Beard and David Harewood Organizers for Everyday People for Positive Change a citizen ballot initiative committee seeking to improve Columbus City Council. And this is from your website. Quote, We believe our city council and our elections should be structured in such a way so that council members are accountable to ordinary citizens. We believe in fair and competitive elections for a responsive and representative council. Unquote. Jonathan Beard serves as treasurer of Everyday People for Positive Change. He has participated with three such groups since 2013, calling for reforms in the structure of city council and campaign finance reform, including serving as co-chair for Represent Columbus, the only citizen-led charter amendment initiative to make it to the ballot in the charter's 100-year history in 2016. Beginning in 1996, um, Jonathan served for 22 years as president and CEO of Columbus Compact Corporation, the nonprofit organization charged with developing and leading community strategies for areas of Columbus that met federal statutory criteria for pervasive poverty and social distress. In this role, he organized and led a wide variety of grassroots economic development and neighborhood improvement initiatives. He has served as a Little League coach and board chairman for the Driving Park Youth Baseball League, served as a member of the board of directors of the United Way of Central Ohio, Ohio Dominican University, and on community advisory groups, including with COTA, C-O-T-A, M-O-R-P-C, PNC, and Huntington National Bank, and has volunteered with numerous civic groups. Jonathan received a BA in poli-sci from the University of Pennsylvania and a master's in public administration from the Ohio State University. He is married with two children and a resident of the near east side of Columbus. David S. Harewood moved to Columbus in the summer of 2011, working to protect collective bargaining rights for the state's union employee population. He spent the next few years working with groups like Working America and the NAACP to register voters and promote progressive causes in the greater Twin Cities, Detroit, and Philadelphia areas, then returned to Columbus to focus on more local matters. A founding member of the People's Justice Project, former Ohio field director of the National Association for Civil Discourse, David is a progressive organizer who strongly believes that good government is possible so long as it's rep- responsive to the needs and desires of its people. Welcome to you both. Thank you very much, Thanks. Carolyn. Good to be here. So good to have you. Glad to be here. Your work for democracy in Columbus with these various campaigns has garnered wide respect, support, and action for real change, and traction to get these initiatives on the ballot and onto the charter of the city of Columbus and also the, um, the or- an ordinance for the city of Columbus. So I'd like you to tell our listeners what this current ballot initiative will do for Columbus voters. 
Okay, I think you said it from um, from our website, which is everydaypeoplecolumbus.us. And um, David and I worked together on the last ballot initiative, which was with Represent Columbus. David did all the field work and was responsible for getting us the signatures to get us on the ballot. So congratulations to David with that. Thanks. Um, That's big. Yeah. And for and, everyday people. And, and, I think we, um, and I think we share that same passion for good governance and a government yeah. that's responsive. You know, it's, it's our government, you know, Benjamin Franklin said coming out of the Constitutional Convention, he said we've got a republic if you can keep it. And um, that's what we've got to do is keep it. And that demands that citizens stay involved. In the state of Ohio, as you know, Carolyn, through your work uh, with the Central Ohio Community Bill of Rights, um, citizens have the right to put things on the ballot when their legislators won't. And that's what we've chosen to do. So we've got um, two ballot initiatives that we're working on right now. The first one is a charter change. And that would change the form of Columbus City government so that it would be structured in a way that we'll have fair and competitive elections, which we do not have right now. Right now, Columbus is the only one of the top 50 of the l- largest 50 cities that still has at-large elections. That means all the council members are elected in citywide elections. So citywide elections have a whole bunch of problems, including the fact that in Columbus you're talking about 860,000 people over 225 square miles or something like that, which is an awful lot for a grassroots candidate to campaign on. Um, it costs a lot of money to reach out that far. And, um, you know, it's, in Columbus it's gotten so bad that the last two elections the Republican Party hasn't put forth, forth candidates. Um, they Demi- have not? They have not put forth nope. candidates, yep. So all, of, all the um, challenges, of, if you call it that, have come from the left of the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. which I think Dave and I are comfortable saying that's where we are. Um, and, um, but the Democratic Party blocks challenges to their incumbent elected officials. Uh, they there. do it on a on both a countywide and as we're seeing on the nationwide level with with mm-hmm. uh, Joyce Beatty and uh, Morgan Harper has asked that on the national level to have the county and uh, statewide parties stay out of the endorsement business. Well, on a citywide level, we've had uh, what three people run in the last election. Uh, that were not incumbents already, and so therefore they did not get the endorsement, and therefore they were not handed the card, and so no one voted for them on a on a wide enough level to even make the elections competitive. The last person who was competitive garnered, I think she got thirty thousand votes um, in the last the previous cycle. Jasmine Ayers got thirty thousand votes on the same ticket on the Yes We Can ticket, which. Uh, is the they're the progressive wing, um, but as soon as that election was done, the city council went through the same pattern that it always does, which is they say, "Oh, okay, so someone is leaving." Rather than look at vote tallies, we will find someone who's already curried favor with us. We will have a bunch of closed hearings and meetings and then pick and choose who that person could be. Now, that last person was Emmanuel Remy, who was just voted back in, um, as well as Rob Duran's and Shayla Favors, all of whom were appointed and ran as uh, incumbents. As incumbents. Yeah. This has been a pattern that has continued. It's been, I think, 35 out of the last 39 council members have initially been appointed to office, and then they run with incum- as incumbents, again, without the ability for another Democrat to challenge them fairly. And, um, you know, within a largely Democratic um, city, that means there's no challenge, essentially, because Republicans run so poorly here. And um, 
Then there are just a whole bunch of non-competitive things in our election strike cycle or our election laws. It takes 1,000 petition signatures to get on the ballot, to even get your name on the ballot. Mm -hmm. Okay, it takes 1,000 signatures to be on the ballot for governor of the state of Ohio. It takes 50 to run for state house. And only 25 if you're not a big party candidate. So if you're independent, 25 ballots, 25 signatures get you on the ballot to run for state rep. So here, you know, you collect these ballots. They're due in early February, which means you're out in the middle of winter collecting ballot, collecting signatures. And it's, it's, it's a huge hurdle, first of all. So that's the first thing. It's a completely unnecessary law, just designed to limit competition. Mm-hmm. Um, right now we've got seven members all elected at large. Based on the work that, that uh, Representative Columbus did two years ago in 2016, city council came up and said, you know, we're going to look at modernizing our charter, which hasn't changed in substantively in 100 years. And they had a charter review committee that came up with the most asinine um, uh, structure for council that in the country. So it would be nine members, so expand it to members, nine members, each of whom has to live in one of nine districts, but they still be elected citywide. Hmm. There are three cities in America that have that type of weird thing. Everybody else elects their members from district by the residents of that district. Mm-hmm. There are three cities that do that. They are um, Sparks, Nevada, Reno, Nevada, and Tucson, Arizona. None, None of, of which have a population of over 500,000, right? That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So we've got a population of 787 officially, and it's actually about 860-something mm-hmm. now. And so what this means is that people in Clintonville mm-hmm. get to vote for the representative of the South Side. Mm-hmm. It means that people who vote in Berwick get to vote for the people who represent the Hilltop. Now, I don't know about you, but that's never actually added up or made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And when you try to ask any of the city officials about this, they will simply say, well, we're a unified Columbus. Well, that obviously not true when you look at where tax abatements are going, where you look at where um, developments are going to, and inversely, how they're attacking the problems that we know that we're all facing. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. And so I've got 22 years of um, community economic development experience. And so I've seen firsthand, you know, the the impact that lack of representation in our neighborhoods has on the neighborhoods. Mm Um, and I could go in all kinds of war stories that are a different conversation. Um, but it, but it's, it's just ridiculous. And, and, you know, for us to allow the council to select itself is absolutely asinine. That's why there's no debate on council. There's no, there are no differences of opinion. Every vote is 7 nothing in favor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's just not a democracy. Yeah. And, and, you know, certainly, um, you know, it's not a way to express the diverse viewpoints of Columbus residents. So, you know, we go downtown you talk to somebody, you go down to a city council meeting and say something, and you look at this, it's like talking to a blank wall. Seven seven people that look right back at you with no expression, um, no no <laughs> empathy, no compassion, no understanding of what you're talking about. Um, and, and we can do better. I mean, we should. We must do better. And this is, um, what, the fourth ballot initiative, or is it the third that, that, that you have um, put forward to... To, to address this issue and also campaign finance. Yeah. So this would be... Tell us, give us a little bit of, um, just a little bit of, of the history of how we got to this point. Okay. So this will be, I, I think, the fourth cycle of, of trying to get on the ballot, mm-hmm. which is a very difficult thing. Um, it is. So the first time we did it with a group called Columbus Coalition for Responsive Government, 
and um, that was in 2013. We had three. In the, we had a charter amendment to reform city council, mm-hmm. similar to the way we're talking now. We had a campaign finance reform, and then we had um, a measure that would reverse reverse the arena bailout and mm-hmm. bring those money back to the people. Mm. You know, the, the people didn't ask for an arena. Right. They said they weren't going to make us pay for one. Then you know, nationwide essentially stuck it to us, and 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 we took it like the big dummies we are. And mm-hmm. the biggest tenant, the Blue Jackets, which I'm a big fan of, mm-hmm. uh, lived there rent free. You know, mm. we buy the hockey nets that they play with. Mm. I mean, it's just it's, it's, it's crazy. It's this crazy um, corporate giveaway. Mm-hmm. So those were the three we went after. And, um, you know, we had never done, uh, I'll speak for myself, I had never done petitions before. And we set them up wrong and the form was wrong. There were um, conflicts between state law and what the city charter said. Mm-hmm. And so you look to one or the other and, um, you know, we apparently made the wrong decisions. And um, including one of the decisions was... Um, city charter was not clear on when you get the signatures who you turn them into okay so state law said um state law says you turn them into the essentially the the person that that does the clerk there state, no because the auditor has some responsibilities so we've returned them back into the auditor which mm-hmm. is what state law would imply um there's also some case law that says you turn them into the person with the biggest petition responsibilities, which their interpretation was a city clerk, because the city clerk is responsible for bundling them and sending them to the Board of Elections. Mm-hmm. So we sent them in, we turned them into the auditor's office. Hugh Jorian happily accepted them, the state city auditor. And um, <clears throat> then about a week later, they said, you turn them into the wrong office. You've been, you should have been 50 feet down the hall, turning them to the clerk. Therefore, they're invalid. Um, <clears throat> mm-hmm. And election law is very sticky. You've got to do things absolutely right. And that was not absolutely right, so they threw them out we sued and we lost um then we did another time as um i can't remember then we did then we might have gone into the represent columbus one mm-hmm. oh after we after we did that after mm-hmm. we did that then council put some things on the ballot mm-hmm. which were charter changes to make the petition process more clear so they eliminated some of the uh, disparity and some of the um uncertainty and and did some other things that they would call reforms that, that they they made it made time timeless time frame was shorter yeah, too. Yeah. It used to be unlimited, then they made it shorter one and, year. And they doubled the amount of signatures you need for mm-hmm. initiated ordinance because mm-hmm. they made it tied it to the mayor mayor as opposed to the last election. Um, so they did some things that that really helped them. They they put in something called the single subject provision, which says for citizens to put something on the ballot, it can only address a single subject. Um. And, and that uh, puts us in to represent. Yeah, yeah. And Let so, me just um, yeah. pause right here for a second for a station ID. This is Carolyn Harding with Grassroot Ohio. I'm here with Jonathan Beard and David Harewood. And we are they are um, organizers with um, the group Everyday People for Positive Change. And we're just talking about their initiative that they're getting um, that they've that they're on board and um, ready to get it on the ballot for 2020. Um, John. We have, we have, we're about halfway through. Why don't you just give us quickly the rest of those two, and maybe you can talk about the one that you were working on, um, sure. David. Uh, sure. So Represent Columbus was, that was 15. Um, and we had, well, it started in the, uh, I, my involvement started in fall and winter of 14 and went into 15. Um, we had a petition drive, Everything went smoothly into the spring, um, and then we went into campaign phase. Um, 
it had been approved for the ballot for an August or first week of August um, special, special election. election, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of things happened as that went on. Um, a few weeks before before the before the vote, I started hearing um, things from my staff about closures of polling places. So not all of the polling places in the in the county were going to be open. That's it's a special election. Mm-hmm. Problem was only half of the electorate was actually sent mailers about it. Mm-hmm. So they intentionally reduced uh, voter turnout on that. And then in the last two weeks or so, all these ads started flooding in. Mm-hmm. So we lost that by um, 70-30. Mm-hmm. I looked at campaign finance records after that. Mm-hmm. It was $1.1 million thrown at us. By, against you. Against us. Mm-hmm. Um, primary donors were AEP, Nationwide, and the Schottenstein Group. And hmm. don't Are they less Columbus Partnership people? Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, and so um, that was 16, um, 15 into 16. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the following year, in May, I think it was, John called me and said, so uh, you want to do it again? <laughs> um, this time we were actually going after both um, both uh, districting issues and campaign finance reform. And uh, over the course of the following, let's see, that was between June and I think we were done earlier than that, um, June and probably December, January. Mm-hmm. We submitted forty two thousand odd signatures. Wow. Um, um Wow. Yeah. Let me see with that a, again. With a, <laughs> with a primary force of twelve to fourteen uh, uh canvassers mm-hmm. going we were targeting very specifically like poor and or underrepresented areas because we also figured that the people who weren't being represented who said things like oh, well, they don't care about me. They were the ones who would be most benefited by this. We also registered a uh, few thousand voters during the process. Excellent. Um, what I had not been aware of was the thought of the single subject clause, right? Yeah. And our argument was that it was a about the form and function of city government. Um, and we, we were... We were approved on the validity of the signatures and the signature count, but because we were going after the money and the structure, they turned it down. So then we went to um, uh, Ohio Supreme sp- Court. Yeah. So and we what sued. happened there? We lost in a 5-4 split decision. 5-4? Yeah. Uh, yeah, with one of the justices that, said that was with the 5 saying, the city really has no right to block you from the ballot, hmm. but you didn't raise that as an issue, so I'm not going to rule in your favor. And the issue with single subject is it's something that's in the Ohio Constitution. Mm-hmm. It's been ruled on multiple, multiple times through the years. And single subject is designed to eliminate disparate um, topics, not a plurality of things. So it's not designed to, to prohibit comprehensive legislation that addresses a single general subject. And those are what all the court decisions said. So the fact that uh, somehow the fact that we were addressing elections for council and the money that runs the council 
uh, the Supreme Court found that that was separate issues. So, you know, we so lost. You, I'm, and I, again, we that was we had our big boy pants on. Okay, we knew the city was going to raise it as an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, you know, our decision was, and I'll, I'll I'll take primary responsibility for it. My decision was that the city's not going to tell us what we should what we can put on our ballot, mm-hmm. and we're going to go with what we think makes sense. And well, and the irony that follows that up is we were we were actually going for real reforms on both of those levels. Mm-hmm. And so they'd already approved, they'd, then they pushed through the, the, the nine districts voted on at large. And then they said, hey, we're going to do a campaign finance cap of nearly $13,000 per individual. Which is, which is a number which that is nobody it. ever gets to. Right. So they put a cap on that was irrelevant. Right. And then they claimed it was historic legislation. But the one thing they did do was they did divide it into nine districts, which is what you guys want to do as far as like and have representatives from each district rather than at large. So talk about your decision this time to to do an ordinance and a charter amendment. So the charter amendment, the the weakness in their proposal was it was nine districts, but all elected citywide. Okay, that doesn't solve a single problem and probably makes it worse. Um, in addition to some Voting Rights Act issues that the legal defense, NAAC Legal Defense Fund brought to their attention mm-hmm. that they ignored. Um, so we split the pro- our proposal up. So we're going after nine districts. We're saying the voters said nine. Everybody agrees nine, so you can't fight with us on that. Mm-hmm. Now let's just elect by district instead of citywide. Mm-hmm. And um, then we pulled out the campaign finance piece, and we said we'll do a separate initiated ordinance for campaign finance. So our goal is to have two things on the ballot, one for which is a charter amendment for city council's form, and the others initiated ordinance for councils um, for campaign finance. Excellent. So when yeah. you do your ballot initiative signatures, you'll have two different documents that folks will have to sign. Correct. Yeah, and and we're actually we're we're figuring out now how we're going to do this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to look at kind of the um, the volunteers we're able to bring to the table to go out and get signatures, mm-hmm. and then we'll make the decision on you know what we do and how we how we time it. So that hasn't been decided yet. But can I go through real quickly what we're doing? Definitely. Okay. Please do share. So um, the, the um, Columbus Fair Elections Plan is for the council um, districts, okay? So a couple of things we do is we, um, we move it forward to take effect in January 2022. We've already drawn nine districts, so mm-hmm. you'll have a map to, that the city does not have right, right now. Um, we put a 12-year time, term limit on council members for service. Let's see. We um, eliminate the ability of council to, to elect itself. And there's a procedure in there that says um, people filling a, a vacancy are nominated by the local, by the neighborhood groups in the district. Mm-hmm. And council appoints the nominee that comes from the neighborhood. If council doesn't appoint that person, we leave council the right to appoint who they want. But if they don't appoint that person, then the person council appoints is disqualified from running in the next election. So they become a temporary placeholder rather than... Excellent. You know, rather than royalty imposed on us. Right. We reduce the um, nominating petition signature from 1,000 to 75 per district. And we create an independent um, redistricting committee that makes the decision on where the district lines are drawn after every cen- after every census. Uh-huh. So we don't leave councils to draw their own lines. Good. Okay. And I, I would like to add that the districting piece is much more about having people who live in an area get direct access and choice of who represent them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that is not what the current system is doing Mm -hmm. at all. I understand that one very clearly. And then for campaign finance reform, what we do is we define a municipal election period, which is um, 
basically January through January of an election year for that seat, okay? Mm-hmm. Outside of an election year, you say you can't hold more than $25,000 in your campaign um, fund, okay? So we're eliminating this process of, you know, the, the continual campaign, raising money that creates this pay-for-play environment. Mm-hmm. And that allows people to build war chests that are insurmountable. Okay, got it. So you raise money for your election, not to you know go jet off. To, if you look at campaign finance reports right now, for instance, Shannon Harden has a quarter million dollars his campaign finance. He didn't run for election last year. Um, you know he jets off to Washington D.C., pays for Ubers in San Francisco. Um, you know has coffee every day at, at the coffee house. Um, you, you know. I don't know. People can make their own judgment on that. We don't get into the use of fund, but we say, you know, quarter million dollars outside of election periods is, is ridiculous, and we're not going to have that. We put limits on ca- campaign contributions. So right now, as David said, the city put a limit of $13,000 on campaign contributions from one individual over over a year. I think it's 12770 anyway. It actually went up because they, really? yeah, it indexes to inflation, so it went up to over $13,000. Um and, you know, so we put a $500 limit on, and that includes, significantly, that includes contributions between city PACs. So right now, Shannon's got that quarter million dollars, and he funds other people's campaigns. Um, so we, we said that's a $500 limit on that, too. People should be able to raise and spend their own money if they want to run for office. They, that way, they, they can be independent. Then we create a Columbus election fund, which is a source of um, uh, public funds to fund campaigns. And it matches donations that are $25 or less, matches them at a four-to-one um, rate. So if you get a $25 donation for your neighbor, uh, you can apply to the fund for $100. The um, provision for that, to access that, you have to agree to spend less than $60,000 for your district election. So you sign a contract with the city saying, I'm going to spend less than $60,000, I get access to the, f- the fund. Now, where does the money come from? It comes from a fee that's assessed to people who get tax abatements. So if you get a 100% tax abatement, you're going to pay 2% of your savings back to this fund, okay? Um, it also takes 1% of the state tax on casino tax receipts that comes to the city. We take 1% of that and put it in the fund as well. Um, and we allow public access TV to be used for elections. So we, the idea is to get good information to people at a low cost. So in, in and, short, make, and make the electoral process actually accessible to people who don't already have all of these access. Can you give um, folks your um, how they can reach out to you? Please, yeah. Um, so we're on Facebook at Everyday People Columbus, or you can reach us um, on our website at www.everydaypeoplecolumbus.us. Um, and what are your needs from um, volunteers? Right now we're looking for petition coordinators who would manage a small group of petition circulators, and we're looking for petition circulators too. The real work will start in March, but right now we're getting names and people who are interested in it and who are willing to put in you know, an hour or two a week and, um, and help us out and help us do citizen reform. I, I totally endorse your um, campaign because I've seen what you've done. I've seen how hard you've worked, and I see how important it is for districts and representation from where you're from. Thank what you. would you like to um, – last words of, um, that you want our listeners to, to remember? There's a general notion that once someone is elected into public office, they can do whatever they want, right? And that's why for years I was focusing much more on, on – issue-based campaigns. What I realized, though, is that if you're able to hold any, any elected official accountable 
and that that stretches from uh, the national level down to the hyper local level then we have an active citizenry and so this that's what this is ultimately about it's about empowering people to be those active citizens and it's about fair and competitive elections. We're Americans. We like competition. We like them in sports. We like them in everything. But we don't get them in elections. And that's the most important thing. So it's returning uh, competition to our elections. Thank you so much for your work. And we'll be um, rooting for you and standing beside you. Thank you for Thank what you, you do, Carolyn. Okay. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, WGRN.org. We air Friday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to all our previous shows archived on the top post of our Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back.